what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films. I'm Alan. And there's Chris. Yes. I'm pointing across the table. I know you cannot <laughs> see me pointing, but I'm pointing at Mr. Chris Fry. Chris, how you doing? Doing good. Had a good Friday. Did you? Yes. Good. Yeah, we always record on Fridays. It seemed like kind of a good day to, to do our recording here. So kind of nice way to cap off the week. Absolutely. Uh, we've seen some films recently. We're ready to talk about a little bit here in a minute. Uh, this is Foot Candle Films. This is our review show where basically we get together, we talk about films, we talk about some film news, uh, tell you what we like, what we didn't like, of things we saw. And we always try to end out the show by recommending a film that we suggest you check out. Uh, hopefully one you can find online or through some sort of digital distribution medium of some sort. If not, uh, there's always DVDs. I they still called? make those, I right? Think so. yes. I think those only come out of those giant red kiosks now and that you find everywhere. The Blu-ray. The blue out of the red box. Yes. <laughs> it's all very Alice in Wonderlanding now. Exactly. So, um, yes, online or if you have to go down to your DVD Blu-ray kiosk, I guess you could maybe find them there as well. Uh, this is a show on the Mesh Network. You are listening to the Mesh Network, and you can find out more about the Mesh Network at themesh.tv. So that's T-H-E-M-E-S-H dot TV. It's where you can go check out not only back episodes of this show, but you can also find out all the other programs available on the Mesh Network. We've got a lot of sports shows going on right now, Chris. We do. With it being uh, in the NFL season, college football still going, college basketball starting up. It's a big, big, crazy time for sports. So if you're a sports fan, we've got a fantasy football NFL show. We've got a college football show. And we've got a college basketball show all running and an ACC sports show. This is true. All running simultaneously on the Mesh Network. Go, and they're all free to listen to. But let's get back to movies, shall we? we got uh, two main movies we're going to be reviewing today for you. Uh, First off, we're going to be talking about the film Ender's Game. And then followed by the Danish film A Hijacking. Uh, We're also going to go into movie news. We might talk about a couple other movies during that process as well. But let's go ahead and start off officially with our first big review. This will be the film Ender's Game. They know our strategies. They've learned our weaknesses. And the alien attack nearly destroyed us. That must never be allowed to happen again. If we're going to survive, we need a new kind of soldier. One who doesn't think the way we think. Fear the things we fear. One the enemy would never expect. Chris, the recipe for this film. I've used this analogy a couple times before. We kind of have these elements, these things you throw together and you create something that either is just glorious. It's like Ratatouille on the movie. You know, it just blows everybody away. Okay. Or it, even if you've got all the great ingredients and, and elements, it just doesn't work. 
So here's the elements I'm going to throw into this this recipe stew for this movie. Okay. Um, based on a beloved book, mm-hmm. a young adult book. I mean, I'm, I gotta say, you know, it's 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 a suitable book. I, mean, I think we we typically encourage preteens, teenagers can sure. read it and enjoy it and appreciate it, but obviously adults as well. A mm-hmm. good book, Ender's Game. We've got uh, the main star, Asia Butterfield, who you may recognize from the film Hugo. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good young actor. Yeah. Haley Steinfeld, who's also another very good young actress. She was in True Grit, which uh, I really liked her role in that. Right. Throw in Mr. Han Solo himself, Harrison Ford. <laughs> I mean, right. you've even got uh, Ben Kingsley in there for a role. The only thing I cautioned against when we were describing this film probably several months ago when I told you it was being made mm-hmm. is the director, Gavin Hood, who I think was known for doing the Wolverine or X-Men Origins Wolverine movie, which was not the Wolverine movie that we liked. Correct. Okay. You and I reviewed. I've never seen the other one. You've seen the Gavin yeah, Hood director. Yeah, it's not very good. Okay. So, you know, a little hit or miss on some of the elements there. But more than anything, Chris, I know that you are a big, big fan of this book. Okay. This and to true. the point where... Several months ago, when I even told you, oh, yeah, well, the Ender's Game is, movie is being made, you didn't know. And I honestly saw this just look of both joy and a little bit of fear over your face. Right. Because anytime we take a, a beloved book and adapt it for a film, it is very, can be a tricky situation. Right. So I have got a very, very simple question for you, Chris. <laughs> okay. The movie credits roll. The lights turn back on in the theater Mm -hmm. and you're walking out to your car. Tell me how Chris feels after this movie. Well, it helped that the Flaming Lips did the credits song. So I sat there and listened to the entire credits because I'm a huge Flaming Lips fan. So that was cool. And I knew going in that they did like the credits song. But did that help ease the pain or did that just make an experience even better? No, you know, it, it... my expectations for this film were exactly where they needed to be because I, you know, I am was a huge fan of, of the book, but having been through the whole Harry Potter roller coaster, um, you know, a book is a book and needs to stand alone on itself. Movies need to stand alone on themselves. So I understand that there's no way you can take having been through the Harry Potter experience. You can't take a book that's like 500 pages and turn it into a movie, and you have to leave things out. And mm-hmm. you just, for me. I felt like this was a good movie and I felt like they took the source material. Did they keep everything? No. Were there some things that they left out that I wish they would have left in? Yes. But considering what they were up against with that material and to try to make a movie out of it, I thought they did a good job. My concern would be, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the movie. I understood what was going on because I had read the book Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how enjoyable – it's kind of a catch me too. I think the people that had read the book, I think a lot of people that are loyal to the book are going to be mad. They're mad anyway because they never like when they've read a book and they go see a movie. You know, so I think a lot of those people – I have some friends that have talked to me on uh, Twitter and stuff and said like, oh, I hate the movie. Just outright hate it. They got all these things wrong. And I was, kind of, and I was like, okay, so there's that camp. And then I think the people like you who haven't read the book that go see it – I think they'll kind of be like, what, what's going on? What, what's really happening? So, yeah. so to sum it, I, I liked the movie okay. Did I think it was a masterpiece? Is it up there with Prometheus? Well, no. Because, <laughs> oh <my laughs> of course, you masterpiece just, you just is compared. synonymous wow. with Prometheus. You just threw the masterpiece out word for, uh, oh, for absolutely. Prometheus. Absolutely. Amazing. 
Amazing. Um, which should come in no surprise to anyone who's listened to any of our shows almost, because yeah. I am paid to mention that's our, it every That's show. our running thing now. Yes. Ridley Scott has him on retainer yes. to mention Prometheus. If only. On our wildly popular film podcast every, <laughs> right. every episode. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I, I thought it was... I thought it was a good a good movie. It was it was enjoyable. There are some themes in the movie that I think are kind of mentioned and then dropped, but I don't see how you can try to do all that the book did. So yeah. take that in consideration. I enjoyed it. What 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 were your thoughts on? Well, it? I I have not read the book. Okay, and right. you, you know how to. I don't read. That's just my <laughs> kind of my thing. Just judge me as you wish. Um, I liked the movie. Mm. I didn't love it. Okay. I liked it. And I think the reason I didn't love it is probably because I probably would freaking love the book. See, that's the interesting thing. Actually, the mistake I made is I was at the the movies with my two boys. Okay. Who they both really enjoyed the movie. Oh, good. They really enjoyed the movie. They still, of course, my 11 year old, every time we go see a good movie, he comes out saying that's his favorite movie of all time. So, of course, he said that with Ender's Game. But he hasn't of course, seen Prometheus because he's too young. <laughs> Otherwise, that would be his favorite movie. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Clearly. Um, but behind me was a couple that I knew, a guy and a girl who uh, I you know, just kind of saw randomly at the theater. And sure. afterwards, we got to talking with them, and both of them are big fans of the book. Uh-huh. So they were saying, yeah, the movie was fine. You know, they said kind of the same way you did. They said the movie was good. It was fine. It's, there's no way to cram everything that's in the book into this movie. But as they were describing a couple of the elements of the book mm. – that they kind of wished had spent more time in the movie. It did make me think, oh man, that would have actually been a lot better if they had done that. Can I, can I try to guess what some of those sure, things go ahead. are? Okay. Well, just, and, and let me okay. do this real sure, quick sure. because I, I realize we've been talking about Ender's Game and the actors and all that. Sure. We haven't really told the plot, you know, so for those of you completely out of the loop on what we're talking about, I'm just going to give the quick top level view of just what kind of movie this is. Gotcha. So Ender Wigan is a uh, recruited by the international military. This is in the future, of course, and uh, basically Earth is compiling uh, their forces you know, to be prepared for what they're seeing as a, a pending attack from another race. It's a race that had attacked Earth years before and done huge devastation. Almost wiped us out. Almost wiped us out. So Earth is trying to be ready for the next attack. So we're trying to train these, uh, these people. What they found is that Younger people with the video game reflexes and experience with technology actually make better strategic um, um, soldiers. And can think quicker. Can think quicker. So they're wanting to mold these soldiers. So Ender, they see as being a very, very good uh, high level uh, uh, soldier for them to groom and work with. So basically the story just follows him as he's going through the ranks and his role in in, – this impending war. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, Harrison Ford does star as Colonel Graff, who basically helps recruit him and kind of see something in Ender that he wants to keep pushing forward. Um, Haley Steinfeld I already mentioned plays Petra and that's another one of the soldiers in, in Ender's group that they become good friends and kind of uh, comrades on things. And then Ben, ben Kingsley stars as uh, Mazer Rackham, which I'm just going to leave it at that and not talk anymore about what his role is. <laughs> He's got so, cool tattoos. He does. Cool uh, Mike Tyson looking face yes. tattoos. Yes. So, all right. So you were going to guess what it is you think the thing about the film that was maybe missing that I would have really liked more of. And that you heard those people say yeah. and they were like, well, there needed to be more time in the battle room. Yes, that was it. 
Okay. I mean, that was exactly the first thing these my friend said. They, and, I, and I understand the reason why. Even though I thought the battle room sequences were really, really cool. Mm-hmm. They were very short. Oh, yeah. I mean, there were only a couple of them. Yeah. And what I understood from the book is that the book really paints this picture of these soldiers are training for years. Right. Where in the movie, you get the sense that it's maybe... Or at least a, months. But yeah, well, that's You get the sense years. in the movie it could have been a few weeks. Sure. That's just the way the movie looked, made right. it look it very moves, decompressed. Moves, moves. Very compressed. Sure. Um, and I think where that impacts it, of course, we're not going to spoil the ending or any twist or any uh, end result of the story. But I think where that impacts the film, it hurts it negatively, is I don't think the end has quite the emotional pull mm-hmm. that it would if we weren't following them through all of this training and all of this battle room experience and all of the mental anguish maybe they're going through right. by the end. Right. My understanding is the book obviously had a lot more breathing room to talk about this long emotional process they're going through. Well, not only that, but I felt like the movie didn't show you enough of why Ender was so special. It and did. that's because you miss a lot of the stuff that goes on in the battle room that in the book shows you like how his mind works and how clever he is. You and get little movie, little glimpses of it, but it's not enough to really think anything special about it. No, and in the movie, it just kind of has to gloss over that. And I don't, I don't know what could be cut out to put those things in. It's kind of hard to say. Like I said, I thought they did a good job with what they had to do, but I feel like that could have added some yeah. some depth to it. Well, so. I think it needed some depth, and unfortunately, it being a an hour and a half to two hour movie, you know, it's only so much depth you can give. I really don't know where else they could have tightened the movie up. True. I mean, I felt like everything was pretty important to well, the story. You know, in this day and age, they take The Hobbit and make three movies yeah. out of it. They could have easily taken this movie and made two parts of it. That would have been cool. It's probably too much of a risk for Hollywood because they're kind of like yeah. nobody knows that, or some people know it, but they. But that's. That could have allowed for so much more. That would have been interesting. That yeah. would have been really interesting. You know, there again, I liked the movie. I thought the emotional weight of the ending mm-hmm. could have been more. I didn't feel it like I thought I would. And I think a lot of that is because it's just, it's a two hour movie and we really yeah, breeze through move. this life. And it's like, <laughs> oh, and now we're here we are at the end. The coda, um, with Ender, again, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it has to do with the alien Making race. Making a discovery. Making a discovery. Mm-hmm. It has to do with some sort of communication with an alien race. I don't think the film handled that ending very well. And mm-hmm. I do think that's probably another one of those areas where the book would have been much more successful with it. Uh, in the in the movie, it was seemed very tacked on. Mm-hmm. And I know it wasn't because obviously right. it was in the book, but the right. movie made it seem tacked on. Sure. And also really didn't give us a whole lot of... I didn't feel like there was enough we learned about Ender to understand why he would have done what he did at the end. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, yeah. And I I agree. And that's what I think there's, it's unfortunate that the script, um, that it couldn't have been divided into two movies. Mm -hmm. Cause that's what I think they, they really would have needed to do to give you, cause yeah, it's obviously it's there in the book. Yeah. I figured Um, so. And I guess maybe to make a better movie, they could have, it would have completely changed (laughs) the book or the movie, but leave that coda off. And then maybe you can put some more battle room stuff. In. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. It's, it's hard that, to say. That coda was the one section that when my, my boys and I were walking away, the boys were like, I, I, don't, get well, it. I don't understand what was happening there at the end. And yeah. I think that's a tough one because again, I'm sure reading the book, it makes, it made sense to me. I understood what was going on, but I just didn't buy it. I didn't buy his 
reasoning for doing what he was doing. Right. Like I would have, I think, if I'd spent 500 pages or however many pages, like really getting to know this guy. I'll say, too, that I wish that even it was cool to see Han Solo, Harrison Ford in it. Mm -hmm. I wish that Harrison Ford and Viola Davis hadn't been in the movie. I wish it would have been basically unknowns unknowns in the movie because it was kind of distracting. You have all these kids and – um, he didn't really lend anything to it. It was no. a very cut and dry role. And, and I think Ben Kingsley, his part, I thought it actually worked for me to have because he looked so kind of bizarre. <laughs> yeah. But the other two, I just thought they, oh, I thought they were kind of wasted. Yeah, I agree. Um, and reasoning behind having such strong actors in those two roles of Colonel Graff and Major Anderson, in the book they play an even bigger role. Bigger and so their dialogue hints at things. And yeah, in the movie it's just kind of throwaway. So... Um, what did you think about, uh, there's a character in the movie called Bonzo. What did you think about him? Or did um, you, can remind you me who Bonzo was. He's the character that Ender gets promoted from his one little group. Oh, in this guy's army. kind of the bully guy, but yes. he's leading the, the yes. green team or whatever their level was. So yeah. what I think of him, um, you didn't think much of it. No, not really. <laughs> I thought he was, a. it was a little over the top. It was oh, just, man. um, I thought he was actually kind of perfect really? um, to fit the character. But there again, I'm bringing with me what I thought of him. You were looking book. for a certain, yeah, certain and he character. totally fit the role. And I had never seen this actor before. Apparently he's been in like, I think a Hannah Montana show or something like that. But he was in this movie called Kings of Summer, which also came out this year. Mm-hmm. And to see his range from that movie where he pay, plays this like comedic goofball, mm-hmm. like oddball kind of guy to see him go from that to this where he's like a bully and real mean it was cool so well, i look okay. forward to see i think That's it's interesting Mo- moses arias or something like that is how you say his name i can't wait to see him in future things because it was a very small role in this movie too. yeah it was and, and it was again you guys who read the book you know as soon as you see him on the screen you're like oh we know exactly what kind of character he's supposed <laughs> to be right. me he was almost the he was like somebody said, all right, uh, come up with the perfect stereotypical bully. And okay, that's the character we got. So it was a little by the numbers right. for him. And, and I didn't quite understand all of his aggressiveness that he exhibited. Sure. Um, again, I kept reminding myself the whole time watching the movie that, wow, if I had 30 pages just to expand on this character, mm-hmm. I would probably appreciate this a lot more than I am right now. Right. And again, I enjoyed the film. I thought it was a good film. I thought it was a very good sci-fi it's kind of nice to actually have a movie that isn't a sequel i part of a trilogy or sequel to just kind of be one and done now this one it would have been nice to have more of a story but going into it is nice knowing it's this is it this is the story and we at least got beginning middle end it was fun i thought the actors were really good the young actors anyway um special effects were good i mean it was it was a good movie i was fine with it there are several books in this series oh really yeah uh would you be interested in a sequel of Ender's Game? Yeah, oh, no? I would. Absolutely. Would? Okay. Yeah, I would be. That I mean, it's well. nice knowing that the movie didn't leave you on a cliffhanger like so many movies have started to do, just automatically setting up a sequel. Sure. This one was pretty clear. Here's a good ending spot. Um, it kind of left me a little bit like Prometheus at the <laughs> end. Really? Well, I mean, you think about it. The, the What happened and what's mm-hmm. the last scene what we see mm-hmm. is very similar mm-hmm. to where you could not share the rest of the story with me and I'm okay. Or you could extend the story and I'd be pretty good with that too. So hmm. interesting. Okay. All right. So I, I'm glad to hear Chris that you have a positive reaction to it. Not glowing, not over the top, but right. you know, at least you, you knew going in is a movie adaptation of a very rich book. Yeah. And that's always a tough sell. So. <laughs> Can be. Yeah. Okay. 
Good. Well, now let's move on to our next film, though. It's a completely different type of film. Uh, this would be the Danish film, A Hijacking. When it comes to communication, Sider, we normally bring an outsider in. This is my company. It's my ship. It's my crew. It's my job to bring back my men. Baby, listen. You call the company. Tell them to pay or they're going to kill us. With a hijacking, the plot synopsis reads as follows. The crew of a Danish cargo ship is hijacked by Somali pirates who proceed to engage in escalating negotiations with authorities in Copenhagen. Now, if I were to have not told you that was a hijacking, you might almost think, with the exception of some countries switch around, that that was Captain Phillips, which we talked about in a recent show. I'd seen it. Alan, you hadn't got a chance to see it. No, I have not. Seeing a hijacking, Alan, do you feel like you... Have your fill of Somali pirates hijacking ships. Um, or do you <laughs> no, feel I have like my fill of Somali pirate hijacking ship ships. movies. Yes. Um, do you th- do you think like this was a good enough experience that you're okay with it, or do you still want to seek out Captain Phillips and see that? I have no desire to see Captain Phillips now. Okay. Um, because I immensely enjoyed this movie. Okay. Um, I think any effort to do a different take on this this story or this type of story, I'm going to be constantly comparing it back to this film and there's no Mm -hmm. point in doing that. So I really, really appreciated this film for a lot of reasons. Um, So yeah, I I mean, after seeing this, I really didn't have a whole lot of desire to see this one. Okay. I mean, really, I honestly, the topic, the storyline, the grueling aspect of the, uh, of the story, I really didn't have any desire to see either film. The fact that we showed this for our film society last night, you know, of course, I was kind of obligated to go see it. Sure. And I'm really glad I did because I really, really liked it. What aspects of the film, even though you said it was kind of grueling, what were aspects of the film that you really appreciated? I'll tell you the thing I appreciate about this film probably more than anything is that if you hear the storyline and you hear, okay, this is about cargo ship that's hijacked by Somali pirates. And then it's all about negotiations between uh, the, the pirates and the people back in the mainland, the corporation that owns the ship. And we follow the crew and see what they're going through. Yes. That sounds very much. If you told me what kind of movie to make off of a, uh, a pirate hijacking movie, that would be it. Okay. The fact of the matter is though, that even though they did hit all those notes, the angle they took, I thought was really interesting and in that we had almost equal time between those on the ship and those back in the corporate boardroom dealing with the, the hijacking and the, uh, the negotiations. Mm-hmm. It really was. I didn't have a timer out, but I guarantee you it was pretty it darn seemed close, to be pretty, equal. pretty yeah. darn equal time, which is not common. Normally they're going to spend a lot more time on the ship with the crew, there's going to be some heroic rescue attempt or at least try to attempt to break out or get away or whatever. And none of that happened. There was nothing Hollywood with it on the ship. It was pretty much this crew was down, beat down. They were miserable. They were upset. They were scared. Mm-hmm. And nobody tried to be a crazy hero or anything, which I really did appreciate. Now, you know, they had every opportunity to do that in a fictionalized version of a true account of a story. And they didn't go that route. They said, you know what? We're going to show it like it really is. I felt like this was a very realistic, authentic picture of what a hijacking would look like done on this kind of boat. Sure. Sure. Were there any performances that stood out to you? 
I mean, most of them, actually. I mean, there's two main performers we've got, you know, one on the ship, one on the boat. And actually, the funny thing is, is they never meet in person. That's Did true. you notice that? That's yeah. true. Um, never have a scene together. Um, and boy, I'm really bad with these names. Well, they're like from Denmark. Yeah. So, so it's a little tough. They've Danish got like actors. letters squeezed together and <laughs> other letters with slashes through them. Sure. Um, Pilo? Pilo? Sure. Pilo Asbeck? Okay. Let's try that. Plays Mikhail, who is the, the chef on the mm-hmm. boat. And uh, he's he's the one we associate with the most because we actually know a little bit about his family. We know a little bit about his connections back home where we don't really know with the others. Right. Um, and then we have Soren Malling playing Peter, mm-hmm. who is the CEO of the company that owns the cargo boat. Right. So he is the one ultimately responsible for what happens to the boat. He is the one that takes it upon himself to um, – manage the negotiations with the pirates against other people's best, uh, um, advice. Right. So, uh, I thought both of them were excellent yeah. and for various reasons, I thought, uh, I thought Mikhail's character, again, you, you would have thought in the very beginning that they were going to try to make him out to be the hero. I think in a Hollywood movie, oh. he would have completely been the hero. And the fact that he was nowhere close to a hero. I mean, nobody was a hero in this movie. Have Steven Seagal playing the cook. Right, exactly. I Which done, I think actually. that's been done. <laughs> um, but I mean, really, we see him at his worst. Like, yeah. emotionally, physically, yeah. everything. And there's no attempt to hide him or make him look more glamorous or anything. It is pretty rough portrayal. Mm-hmm. Then we've got Peter... Uh, the CEO's character, um, which again, yes, on the surface, he is your, I am an aggressive, high powered CEO, right? But they added a lot of layers to him that I think we got to peel away from a little bit. And I'm starting to see you wrinkle. Well, you're wrinkling your nose a little bit, but I'm sorry. I'm going to argue with you on this. I think his character was fascinating. And oh, I'll I tell think you the why. character was fascinating. You just didn't like his character. I know no. that. Right. Okay. So that's where we're going to disagree a little bit because I actually can sympathize with the CEO guy here a little bit. Um, and again, I don't want to get into too many details of what transpires in the plot, even though it's based on a true story. I mean, you can look it up anywhere and see it, but right. it's still better to experience it in the movie. Um, I like the CEO character because I really believe that when he was first contacted by the pirates, and they had a rans- they had an amount that they wanted, which I think was like $15 million. I think Peter, after the first few days of negotiation, was to an emotional point because of he, he actually does have compassion for the people on the crew. I think he was ready to pay the money and just be done with it because he wanted the crew home. And which was, I think, meant to show us that this is a guy that just earlier in the movie was doing this high-powered negotiation with these Japanese business guys and was being so ruthless about it or just very, very methodical and very businesslike. I really think the character of Peter, we're given a glimpse that once he realizes he thinks he can negotiate his way out of this quickly and do it fast and get the guys home. And that's the reason he took the responsibility for doing it. Once he got a few days into it, I totally disagree. Once he got into it a few days later, I think he started to realize he might be over his head. And I think he was about ready to just cash in and give him the money. He was constantly being told by the guys who were advising him, no, you can't do that. You have to follow this process. I don't think in his heart he wanted to follow that process. I think he wanted to be done with it and get him home. But he felt the pressure of a board. He felt the pressure of these consultants around him telling him that he has to go through this process. That's really what I picked up from this guy. Hmm. And the reason I I saw it the most, there's a scene two thirds of the way through the movie. The negotiations have started to go very, very poorly. 
Uh, there is a chance that one of the crew members may have died at the hands of the pirate. Um, and he is completely beat down to the point where he is sitting in his couch in his office, stripped down to just his undershirt, which looks almost identical to the undershirt that the chef wears throughout the entire thing, which I thought was interesting. He's berates his wife and she shows up. He, he's cracking. And you could say that that's just him being, he's just losing control and he doesn't like losing control. Yeah, I, not exactly. A, I don't think it is. I think it's he's losing control, but I do think there's an emotion to it. I think he's losing. He felt like he was going to be able to be in control and be the savior and win the day and be the hero like he always is. And when he realized he couldn't do it and that there was a process that was going through and people could be affected, I really think it started to tear him up emotionally. I had some level of sympathy with the guy. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I still thought the guy who I thought he was an interesting character. The actor did a wonderful job, but because of the way he handled the negotiations in the very beginning, it's, you know, the bottom line was money. And when it came to dealing with the pirates, he got a consultant in to help with, cause you know, he didn't, doesn't know hostages, but he said, okay, you need to get somebody to come to stand in to work with these pirates. Who's familiar with it. He's like, Nope, I'm going to do it. And it's like, he always has to do everything because he's the best at everything. It was like that right. corporate attitude he had and he wasn't going to, and the guy's like, okay, but, you know, and I, he forwards that on and it's all to me, the way I read it was, it was all about money because otherwise if it's, he tells the guy, don't, I don't want to bring in that person. He could have also said at any time, I want to pay this money. And the other guy would have been like, okay. And that would have been that he has control. He always has control over what amount of money is going to be done. And but what about, what and then, about- and then he goes to the board at one point and they're just like, okay, you need to hurry up. You've been dragging this on way too long. He's like, Ugh. and like, so he's frustrated <laughs> at that it's like, and the, why is he frustrated? Because he's not able to do it. He's not able to just get his way. And when the person who might be injured that you referenced, yeah, he then goes into a downward spiral after that. Cause he's like, Oh, this isn't going my way. Oh, I'm so cranky. I'm not getting my way. And that like, uh, I never really feel that. I, I never really feel like he, now, I'm not it, it hit him a little more that, oh, okay, I am so cocky that I've allowed this has happened and it could be all my fault. But I never really felt the deep emotional resonance mm. from him. I, well, I don't think he's a and deep emotional that guy. Could, that could, and That's that, his that character. could be part of the culture and everything. But, but because I, of that, I don't. I, I don't think it was all money for him. I do think I'm not saying that the guy made all the right choices. I mean, there were a lot of bad choices made. There was a lot of bad approaches made on things. But I sympathize with the guy just because he's basically being told and guys, people listening, we're going into a lot of detail on this. It's fine. Give us a few more minutes. We, we, we got to hash this out. We got to talk all this out. (laughs) We're not really giving away anything in the movie. I mean, the movie itself really stands on its own besides whatever we're saying here. But the idea that, you know, he goes into this, he's basically being told by these consultants that, you know, if you just give the money, you're basically perpetuating this process out there in the rest of the world, which I, I agree with. I think if a pirate group hijacks a ship, calls the home office and says, we want $15 million. And the company says, okay, here's $15 million. Yes. The crew comes home. Everybody's happy. Maybe, or it continues and they exploit for more and more. The bigger issue for me, the biggest concern that I think, I honestly think the CEO was even wrestling with a little bit too, is that if you give into this pirate group, and given to their demands, you're basically painting a picture for the entire rest of the pirate community that if you go hijack ships and put people's lives in danger and demand money, they will pay it quickly. 
So we should go do more of that. And I think in a way, that's why the resistance to just pay out the money. I don't think it was that I want to be a negotiator. I want to be a high power negotiator. I really did not feel that. I really but felt that's like what he is. That's his job. But he kept looking at the guy that was the consultant, the guy that was sitting there at the end of the table. This guy, Peter, he wanted to pay more money. He wanted to be done with it. And he kept looking at the other guy like, can't we do more? Can't we do more? And the guy's like, no, no, no. Go with this number. I felt like he, that's when he was losing mm-hmm. control because he wanted to get it done with. He wanted those guys home. And it's just, he felt like at this point he had taken on this role, a role that is no, nothing like his normal negotiation process. And he's getting this advice from someone who's been in these situations for many, many years saying, don't give in, don't give the money. Even though I really think Peter wanted to write a check and just be done with it and get the guys home. And I think he would have done whatever he wanted to do. He didn't listen to the other guy when the other guy told him to bring in some help. No, I agree. That so was a, that like, was a stubborn move at the beginning. That was at the very beginning guy, of the movie. Don't, don't, whatever happens, don't blow up. Don't, you know, he told the guy why you're not going to be good at this. You're not going to be good at this because you're going to lose your temper. He didn't listen to the guy. And of course he lost his temper. So it's like, I, I, I feel like, I, I don't know. I just, well, I, I didn't see it. Maybe I'd have to watch it again to see. I will say that our little it. spat here echoes what a lot of our members at the film society had to say after the film too. It was pretty well split. There was half and half, half saying they kind of saw the point of view of the CEO and they thought it was a very even, uh, even handed film. And others are saying, uh, no, yeah, the CEO totally botched this and really was all about power and control. Well, and maybe his, emotions that I didn't see and the sympathy that I'm supposed to feel for him that you felt maybe it was because it was very nuanced and it wasn't as obvious as it would have been in like a Hollywood movie. But I saw no reason, very little reason to feel sympathy for him. I felt sympathy for obviously everyone on the ship, but I didn't, I wasn't able to empathize with him. And maybe Um, it's because it was more nuanced and not as obvious with these like swelling music. And it's like, Oh, now he feels bad. Well, they definitely don't point you to a bad guy, good guy, hero, villain relationship anywhere in this, even the pirates. I mean, let's talk about the pirates for a second. Well, that's, that's an interesting Mm -hmm. thing. I felt like, if I were to mention, I, I also, like you, I really liked this movie. Oh, yeah. I didn't even ask um, you. Yeah, I, <laughs> so I did, you did like the film? I, I did like the film. <laughs> Good. Okay, uh, And great. I liked the film like you did. I may disagree a little bit about our our opinions of the CEO are different. Our, yeah. But that's, that's our, not a good movie. Our different opinion is not about the quality of the film. Absolutely It's not. about the actual person who is based on a true person anyway. Right. It's more their their uh their actions and motivations. Which I didn't know that that was the case until after the film. I, I thought either. this was all fiction. But yeah. apparently it's compiled and stuff um i would say that i since it was you know a film from denmark they did do and they spoke a lot in english so they Mm -hmm. didn't bother translating that but they would have subtitles for the um the danish but a lot of times when the somali pirates were talking they just let them bark out commands or talk and they didn't translate that Mm -hmm. and that bothered me really yes see i thought it was a really clever move because it basically put us in the same boat as the the crew well and they didn't know what the guys were saying either and i'm assuming that's why the filmmaker did it but i felt like that was i it's one thing when they were barking commands but when they were talking to one another i wanted to know what they were saying Mm. and i just felt like it was being manipulative and turning them into like you know, it was demonizing them, you know, instead of just letting them talk, you know, like yeah. sometimes when they were just saying, 
you know, conversations, if they would have translated it, it would have seemed nicer instead of like being scary. And yeah, it was like you were perceiving it like the crew yeah. was perceiving it. But that's what I liked about it is the fact that I liked not knowing. I mean, it, it was jarring to me when the pirates were barking out commands to the crew and you could just see the look on the face of the crew. It was like, I, I, I don't know what you want me to do. You know, right. it's like, I don't understand. Like right. the cook is trying to interpret what they're wanting him to cook. And he's like, I, I don't know what you want from me. And I liked being in that same position as him is like, I don't know what they're wanting either. They just keep saying the same thing and saying it louder and louder each time. Um, It was an interesting choice not to, not to give the subtitles for the pirate speech, but I think it worked really good. I mean, it's, I'm not saying it didn't work. I guess I just would have, I felt like in, in my mind, it was kind of demonizing the pirates a little bit. Not to, the other thing I was just curious if you were curious about, um, this was based on a true story. Just like Captain Phillips, the other movie mm-hmm. was based on a true story. Um, I was curious why there was no military anywhere in the film. That's a very good question. And that's something I was actually going to try to read up on myself on the story and see. Because, yeah, the military never shows up. Right. At one point, about halfway through the movie, Peter, the CEO, is meeting with his employees of his company. Right. And at this point, the hijacking has been going on for several weeks. And he's telling the staff there, he said, okay, we're still dealing with the situation. Uh, Some things are starting to get out to the press. And I hope it's not coming from any of you guys. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I thought, wait a minute. So there's been a hijacked ship out in the ocean with seven crew members from this company. And no one from the press has written anything about it, like really, (laughs) until now. Right. So that makes me wonder if they just did a really good job of keeping it. They want to keep it private. And they also did not want the military involved because the military can either escalate things or uh, if things go wrong, it looks bad on the company or whatever. I don't know. Right. I don't know if it's just a matter. They just were going to keep it on a corporate level and that's it. Right. And maybe that's what they did. I don't know. But it was a good, interesting question why military was not involved. Yeah. It, yeah, it was an interesting film just because I guess, one, you kind of – business how it was being run in Denmark and you kind of see how businesses are run or how they seem at least this one business is run and it's just very interesting to see that dynamic and then of course anyone pitted up against Somali pirates and I I would have liked you didn't have any understanding of why very little understanding of why the Somali pirates were doing what they were doing they were just kind of there yeah so I, I liked the way they presented the pirates just because I liked being in the dark just as much as the crew. Um, I liked the, the fact that there was some level of deception going on to some degree with the pirates, as far as uh, the roles, some of them play, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Um, I, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I just thought it was a very grueling film. It's a very intense film, even though there's very little violence. It's the, threat it's the concern it's the worry of what is going to happen so okay mm-hmm. i think i can pin everything on i like this film but why i disagree with your characterization of peter okay um without going into too much detail yes a lot of people drew parallels between peter and Mikkel. yes um i just drew parallels between peter and omar and I'm just going to leave it at that. Omar was the uh, the pirates negotiator on their end. Yes. We'll leave it at that. He yes. was the one that would be on the phone with Peter all the time. And Peter and Omar would be the ones going back and forth on the dollars yes. and the, the terms of everything. Yes. Okay. That's – that's and the similarities between the two and how they dealt with those around them. Hmm. That's Interesting. That's the problem that 
Yeah. So I, without well, revealing too much more, but it's yeah. a very worthwhile movie for sure. Well, we both really liked it. We may differ on some of the character motivations, but that's, that's not a fault of the film. I think the film wants us to have those questions. It wants us to draw those kind of opinions of the people and the characters and the decisions they made. Uh, but from a technical standpoint, from a writing, directing, I thought it was a really, really good movie. Um, yeah, I, I would say – if you can only see one movie about Somali pirates this <laughs> holiday one. season, yeah. see a hijacking. See a hijacking. Um, I, I thought it was a much better film than uh, Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips not a bad film, but it is very Hollywood. Yeah. And you kind of know the direction of the story because the movie's named Captain Phillips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. And Tom Hanks is there. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of – it kind of spoils itself because of that. Whereas a hijacking to me – it was a lot of unknowns. Well, we really had no – we weren't familiar with the story. We had right. no idea where it was going. Right. You had no idea who was going to be alive or not alive at the end of the film. It was it was pretty interesting from that standpoint. Right. I will say one quick thing uh, I thought was really interesting about the actor that played Peter, uh, Soren Maling. Okay. Uh, he's a comedian. <laughs> Did you know? Wow. Isn't that crazy? That makes me think whatever their equivalent is of Oscars, he should definitely be nominated. Because he was, just for those of you listening, he was anything but comedic in right. this movie at all. You would not have thought he was, he was a comedic He was a actor. robot to me. He was yeah. a blank slate robot. Very good at what he does, but very methodical. Interesting. Now. That's funny. He's a, a very polarizing character. I guess I'll say it that way. Yeah. I think there's a lot of different ways you can interpret his motivations in this film. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it a really curious film to watch as well. Good. Okay, so Ender's Game and a hijacking. We're both saying good. I think definitely higher, stronger feelings for a hijacking as far as a better movie of the two. Right. Um, But both are worth checking out and seeing. I know Ender's Game is still in the movie theaters for a little while. A hijacking, you may have a tough time finding. Uh, I don't know if it's playing at specialty theaters still. I think it's out on DVD maybe by the time this podcast is coming out as well. And is there a possibility, um, you know, release dates as far as when things were released in other countries and when they're released here – could it be considered for an Oscar this year? Or I don't no? know. It's labeled in IMDb as a 2012 film, but I don't know if the when way the Academy really? Awards work right. or when it's released in the United States and when that might have been. Because I'm pretty sure it was released here in 2013, I think. It's very possible. Which would make it, I think, except Earth. I definitely think it ought to be, I mean, if it's eligible, eligible right. it needs to be in the field of best foreign films. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick little break. When we come back, we've got a little bit of movie news. I might rattle off a review of a film I saw recently, and then we're going to cap it off with our recommendations for the episode. Stay tuned. You're listening to Foot Candle Films. Okay. Good. Okay. And I'm ready to keep on rolling whenever you are. I'll tell you what, I'm going to hit like three news items. Okay. And then at the end of those three, if you want to ask me about any other movies I've seen. Okay. I'll even say, that's all the news items I've got. And if you just want to jump right in and say, well, Alan, have you seen any, you've seen, you've seen a film I haven't seen recently. You want to talk about it? And just let me talk about that. Okay. All right. This is starting back in three, two, Hello and welcome back to Foot Candle Films, our film discussion, review, and news show here on TheMesh.TV. I'm Alan. Chris is across the table from me. We just finished our reviews of Ender's Game and A Hijacking, both uh, with positive reviews from both of us. Uh, so let's go on to a little bit of movie news. And Chris, this is where uh, comb the internet, try to find some things of interest that we might, might want to talk about a little bit. The first item is actually kind of an extension from what we talked about last 
time we got together. Okay. We talked about trailers. Yes. We started the trailer conversation with the trailer for the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes. That's the latest film coming out from Wes Anderson. I believe it's coming out in either March or May. I think so. Of 2014. We're both highly anticipating this film. Absolutely. Um, But what do you know about Castello Cavalantia? Absolutely nothing. Good. Because uh, Wes Anderson obviously is not busy enough at the moment, I guess, <laughs> um, put out a short film okay. online this week. Does it, um, does it kind of foreshadow? Supposedly not. Supposedly really? Completely different. Okay. Uh, it is called Castello Cavalantia, Cavalancati. Okay. I'm not sure. And again, I'm bad with the names here. <gasps> but it's only uh, like three or four minutes long. Okay. Very, very short. Jason Schwartzman starring in it uh, is, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost longer to explain the, the film than it is just to watch it. Hmm. But it's, uh, he stars as a race car driver who crashes into a small town in Italy during a race in the 1950s. Hmm. That's all I need to, you need to know. It's very much a Wes Anderson short film. Um, is it just available on like iTunes? It's or? online. It's YouTube. It's oh, on okay. the website. So it's free. It, oh yeah. It's oh, free. Okay. It's ready to go. Um, it's a, it's a fun little watch. So yes. I should put a link maybe in the show notes for this? Yeah, I think that would be like... good. What I wanted to ask you about, though, is this idea of filmmakers with the internet. I mean, I think Wes Anderson somebody who's probably taking a little more advantage of it than others. Because if you recall, he actually put out a short film before Darjeeling uh, Limited. That's why I was – but that actually – That actually was a lead Teased in. a yeah. little bit. And this one's completely unrelated. And sometimes in the movie theater, you could actually see that short – prior yes. to the movie playing like they would show it in the theaters so it sometimes. seems like Wes Anderson's kind of having fun with the fact that he can put together a five minute short film and put it out online right and he's he's good with that he's ready to go and the fact that here we have one that really isn't plugging another film it's not like a commercial t- t- teaser for a film it's truly it's only a standalone film he just put out there on the internet here you go it's on YouTube have fun I, I think it's cool. I just wish people like David Lynch would do it. <laughs> well, that was going to be my thing. It's like, you know, if, if there could be a director that would just occasionally put out little five minute, 10 minute, whatever, no structure, no limit on time, just put something up just for people to enjoy in between big theatrical films. Mm-hmm. David Lynch would be one of those David directors Lynch for you. David Lynch would be one that I'd like to see more from. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see these directors that definitely have a very creative, artistic visual style to them doing things a little more off the cuff like some of these pieces that, mm-hmm. you know i mean really this film and when you watch it it's all in basically one set location hmm. it's a pretty simple little film it's a simple little premise but just some of the lines are really funny some of the shots are really funny cool it's just a fun little movie to watch for you know five or six minutes so Excellent. anyway i like this idea of directors having a little more a little more free reign to try to explore some ideas they've got not feel like everything's got to fall in this every three year hour and a half long movie big budget movie thing i mean you know everybody's got to make a living so i would understand if he charged for it but that's even i like i wish more directors would do that and put it out there for free because you know i like free yeah but uh yeah that's that's crazy that's that's awesome good um so now another thing to talk about a little bit um there seems to be this real rush of taking disney films classic Disney animated films and turning them into live action reinterpretations. Hmm. That's been happening a fair amount lately. Did it with the Dalmatian films? The Dalmatian films, I think probably started it many, many years ago. Uh, You know, the idea of turning a cartoon, a beloved animated feature into 
a live action movie okay. uh, interpretation of it. It's happened a few other times. I know it's happened a little bit with the Jungle Book, but of course the Jungle Book was a book before it was a Disney film. So there's a little bit right. more to that. Right. Um, but there seemed to be a lot more coming out. We had Snow White and the Huntsman just recently, which oh, I never no, saw. Was that a Disney joint? No, it wasn't, but it okay. was taking, you know, it's taking Disney what we characters. knew as a Disney okay. character okay. thing. Okay. Okay. Um, and there's been some others as well, but I think we're actually starting to see those even get ramped up a little bit. Hmm. There's one coming out and actually it's by, I believe the same, maybe it's the same director who did the Snow White and the Huntsman movie. I'm not sure, but it's, uh, Oh boy, it's the it's the evil sorceress from uh, Sleeping Beauty. Oh, okay, Maleficent. Maleficent. There okay. you go. I can never say that name right. Hmm. Uh, Angelina Jolie. Is that the title her. of the movie? Is it Malefic- is. Really? Yep. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, it's all about her. It's like basically her backstory. Huh. And it does lead up to the events of Sleeping Beauty. Um, hmm. But it is through Disney, so Disney's actually the one producing it and doing it. And supposedly Disney is exploring this idea of taking characters from their vault and either giving them a little bit more life in a live action feature or something to that effect. Well, it wouldn't surprise me because ABC who does once upon a time. Yes. That's basically what they've done. And I've, you know, it's a television show and I, I kind of like it. First season was really good. Second. Okay. Third has been well. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, um, that's what they do is they kind of take, they show a bunch of backstories, kind of like the whole lost premise where they, you know, do all these flashbacks and show you things. Um, so that, that, that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, Angel- Angelina Jolie is uh, uh, Maleficent. Maleficent. Okay. There you go. Uh, Elle Fanning is Princess Aurora. Okay. And then you got Charlita Copley also in the role as Stefan. Hmm. So you got some good actors in there. I mean, it's not, they're not sloughing off on the, uh, the actor department. That's this cool. Robert Stromberg is the, uh, he's a visual effects guy is what his uh, deal okay. is. Okay. And uh, directing wise, no, he hasn't directed anything except, uh, uh, actually, a film called Safari, which hasn't even come out yet. Okay. He's a visual effects guy. So he's done visual effects for Pan's Labyrinth, Golden Compass, The Hunger Games, Pirates of the Caribbean. Hmm. So this is him directing a film first time. I was mistaken right. in saying that. And uh, I will say the trailer, I did watch the trailer for this because I'm not really worried about being spoiled on this. You know uh, the story. So yeah. You're, you're good. Visually, it's a very arresting looking, it's a good looking trailer. So it's got an interesting visual style. Those are normally hit or miss for me, whether those actually turn out to be good movies or not. But uh, Angelina Jolie in the title role. It's kind of a, it's a good casting choice. I think so. Yeah. I could see her being able to play a bad guy. So yeah, <laughs> without a doubt. And, you know, kind of on the heels there too, again, same kind of idea, Joe Wright, who, um, he did, uh, um, Oh, what's the film I really, really like. It starts with an a Kira Knightley's in it. Um, a atonement. atonement atonement. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I forgot atonement. Yeah. Joe Wright did atonement. He did Hannah. Mm-hmm. He did, um, uh, didn't he do sense and sensibility? Like I believe so. Yeah. The one before with also with, uh, Keira Knightley in it, I believe as well. Okay. Um, supposedly he is taking on a Peter Pan origin movie. Hmm. So again, okay. kind of going on this whole idea. I don't know if this one's produced by Disney or not, but, uh, that seems to be, again, I think it's just going to the well to say, here are some characters that maybe people want more of a backstory to. We're running out of comic book characters. Let's reboot yeah. fairy tales. Let's characters. reboot fairy tales and okay. Disney characters. Sure. Um, currently, the film is called Pan, which is stupid. But uh, it'll be an origin story. It deals with Peter's arrival in Neverland. I don't know. I'm, I'm, as I see all these, it's like, 
it's a whole argument you have about whether or not you should remake a film or make a sequel to a film that's a beloved film or not. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel the same way about taking these characters. It's like, I, you know, Peter Pan is Peter Pan. I really hated what Steven Spielberg tried to do with Hook. I thought right. that movie was just an absolute mess. Yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan. And so I'm really just kind of sour on the idea of feeling like you got to take these characters and just give us all these origins and give us all these prequels and all that stuff. Sure. I don't know. But then again, I like Joe Wright as a director a lot. So, you know, who knows? Sure. Could be. Hmm. Um, interesting. interesting. Yeah. Last little bit into movie news, I'll say, and this is just, uh, we talked a few episodes ago about, um, sequels to famous films. Are they really necessary or not? And how do we feel about sequels in general on, right. on big films? Here's a, a sequel that supposedly is being batted around that I never ever would have imagined there being, well, it's not even a sequel. It's a remake kind of thing. Hmm ever ever have a reason to see this thing remade or revisited okay the war of the roses wow with kathleen turner and michael douglas from 1989 yeah yeah danny devito DeVito. directed the film yeah yeah yeah. yeah. he's the divorce lawyer right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. supposedly uh they're working on a sequel (laughs) a sequel because there is a sequel book it was based on the book the war of the roses there's actually a sequel to the book that was the war of the roses the children And it's all about the children who had to deal with their parents having gone through this really, really vicious, bloody, bitter, uh, bitter divorce. And so this is supposedly following the kids who are now full grown and the effects that that vicious process had on it. Hmm. Um, Of course, you know, the War of the Roses went for a little more on the laugh side. It was a pretty dark comedy movie, but there was ending, I think, was pretty yeah, harsh, wasn't it? It was, and if I remember correctly, the ending did not have the Hollywood ending at all that you no, would have expected. No, and um, but they obviously went for I mean, some laughs we, as well. Can with we, can we do some spoilers here since that movie's so old? Yeah, sure. Yeah, don't they both die? Um, boy, it's like they have a chance to save each other, but then it's like there's like a dangling chandelier or something. Yeah, yes, there's a chandelier battle. Yeah, I want to. I want to say they die, and they they actually kind of have a turn of heart, but then it's like. No, and they die. I, I think I, I, you may be right. You may be right. It's, it's I remember dark. it being a very it's, kind of dark, controversial ending, but I can't remember. Yeah. It's been, I saw it in the theater in 89. So oh, it's been, yeah, I've seen it. It's been a long time since I've seen this movie. <laughs> um, anyway, I don't know. It's it, when I heard that they were talking about re- revisiting the story, I'm like, really? That was like oh, 25 years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, it was a long time ago. Like, would anybody even remember it? Like, no. how do they? That's the thing is, I think if you're going to do a. I don't know. Why in the world would you pick out such a random thing unless whoever's doing it has a real passion for the follow-up book and maybe the book is yeah, really good and right. maybe it's worth revisiting even if you don't remember the original. I don't know. Hmm. But the original really didn't set the world on fire box office or <laughs> reputation-wise. So I'm just – I was surprised by that. That's curious. Who do, We don't know anything about it other than they're thinking about doing it. It's okay. just uh, some people have grabbed the rights to, to d- develop it and the production we don't house have working a director on it. or anything. No. Or so. huh. It's currently seeking a writer. But um, okay. anyway, interesting stuff. And again, I kind of want to weave in this theme of continuing stories or developing characters that we've come to know more than maybe they should or should not be. So, Speaking uh, of which, mm-hmm. there is a character – who is being given a sequel. It's out in theaters now. Thor, colon, The Ooh. Dark World. Wow, you just segued very I nicely did. there. I did. It's almost like you practiced that. I know. Um, so, Alan, you've seen this movie. I, I have not. Um, what did you think? Thor was 2, it, was Electric it, Boogaloo. It, was, it, was it deserving of a sequel, or should they just hold and wait for the next Avengers movie? Or, you you know, what do you what'd you think? Uh, Thor, The Dark World was a, was a serviceable, acceptable film. 
Okay. Uh, what were your feelings on the original? I really didn't care for the original as much. Oh, um, okay. It was probably my least favorite of the Marvel Universe movies that they put out. Was it better than a Thor movie? You Like, you know, you hear they're going to make Thor into a movie. You're like, okay. Oh, yeah. I really did not care for Thor as a character okay. in the comic books or anything. Okay. I will say the Thor movie was a little bit better than maybe what I expected it would be. Okay. But I still didn't enjoy it terribly. Gotcha. Uh, it was my least favorite of the whole round of all those big superhero movies coming out in those years. This movie is a little better than the first than Thor. the original Thor. Because right. I actually saw the original Thor the night before with my boys. They wanted to watch it before we went to go see it. The sure. sequel. And yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a better movie than the original, not dramatically better and still not enough for me to say it's a great movie because it's not, it's a run of the numbers, very straightforward superhero sci-fi CGI um, movie. Right. The biggest problem I thought with this film is that the villain, which you could argue whether the villain is Loki who Tom Hiddleston uh, replays Loki in this one as well. Whether the villain is Loki or whether it's uh, the Dark Elf, which is played by... Um, Christopher Eccleston. Yes, Christopher Eccleston, one of the former Doctor Whos, I believe. Yes, actually. Um, his role is so minimized, and hmm. he's not a given a chance to breathe as a character at all. The villain is very disappointing. Oh, that's and you know, a lot of times, if you're going to have a big superhero sci-fi movie, you've got to have a good villain to kind of make it work. And sure. we don't have one here. Loki... I'm not going to say whether he's a villain or a hero in the movie. He kind of has some tricks on both sides. Um, if he wasn't in the movie, oh, the movie would have been horrible. It would have been boring. It would have been ridiculous. Well, he, you know, in the Avengers movie, he was a standout. Loki yeah. was. So. And he still is here, too. I mean, he's okay. got this character down pat. And I think mm-hmm. people like watching him play this character. My understanding is they actually went back and filmed more scenes with him in it to insert back into the movie because they didn't have them in there enough the first time, like the first draft of this movie. And it just really wasn't as enjoyable a film. I do feel like there are some scenes that are a little more tacked on with him in it. Okay. But um, they're all good scenes though. The scenes with um, um, uh, Tom Hiddleston and uh, the guy playing Thor. Chris Hemsworth. Yep. Chris Hemsworth are very good. They have a very good rapport with each other. And I really, I like, as we talked in our review of Rush, I like Chris Hemsworth. I'm not really sure why, but I just do. He just seems like he's. Oh, he's much better as Thor in this movie than he was the first one. Oh, really? Because I thought he was pretty good. He's got the the character down pat. Okay. The character of Thor is good. The character of Loki is very good. The villain was really not well done at all. How wasted is uh, Natalie Portman? Uh, not as wasted as she was in the first movie. Okay. Uh, she does have a much more important role to play in this movie. Uh, it's still, some scenes are a little questionable. Sometimes she's used a little bit more for comedic relief than she needs to. And that, that didn't work for me as well. Um, I was kind of impressed. You know, she was in the original Thor movie, nowhere to be seen except a cheesy little photo yeah. mention of her. And in that the was brought movie. up in the movie. Oh, okay. Was it? Okay. Yeah, I was did. kind of surprised that she came back on board for this movie. I was like, Oh, interesting. No, they actually kind of, talk about that a little bit okay. about the fact that Thor didn't see her while he was back in New York for the Avengers. So <laughs> there's kind of some funny things with that. Okay. You know, overall, if you enjoyed the first Thor movie, yeah, you're going to like this movie because it is, I think better than the first one. If you, uh, you know, if you did not care for Thor, uh, you might like this one. Maybe it, it, it's not a bad film and there's, you don't walk away from it rolling your eyes or anything. It has some good action. It has uh, some good scenes. So is there, mm-hmm. Is there a foreseeable or foreseeable? Is there a good story slash plot or no, it's just an excuse to go from one action sequence to the next. It's still, the story is still very, very much lacking. And Um, that was my problem with the Avengers. Yeah, The (laughs) the subplot that we follow of 
Thor and his brother Loki is still the best plot line of the movie, but gotcha. it's not the main plot line. Um, and unfortunately, the movie ends with a little bit of a twist, a little bit of a surprise ending that really sets up Thor 3 or Avengers, <laughs> whatever, which, uh, you know, I like my movies to kind of have a nice finish to them. I don't mind a little bit of a tease for something to come. But when I feel like the movie leaves me on such a big question mark and I got to wait two, three years sometimes to get these things answered, that that doesn't always sit well with me unless it's Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> So yeah, that one I was okay waiting for. And then that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So this also fits into movie news because of course it's a Marvel movie. They feel, I think they may be contractually obligated to always put in a scene after the credits. Yes. <laughs> so spoiler alert people, if you're one of those people that likes those things, stick around because they have one of these. There's two of them. Oh, there are two. Okay. There's one in the middle of the credits and one post credits. Okay. The one that I was going to say was the teaser trailer or the teaser thing for guardians of the galaxy, which I know nothing about. Yes. How was that? Um, you're is, that talking, the, is that the end or is that the one? In the, that's the one in the middle. Okay. Uh, that comes after the main end credits, you know, okay. where they have the big names flying around and then you have this, this, this break scene okay. Then they go to the long scrolling credits and then a scene after that. Okay. Um, yeah. Guardians of the galaxy is a very little known property that Marvel's got. Never heard of it. Yeah. That. And honestly it, Yeah. Very, very few people. They've had like a few short series over the comics in the past. The characters are not very well known. And it's coming out in 2014. It's coming out next year. That's their big, big movie next summer. So it's going to be a big movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chris Pratt uh, Pratt from uh, Parks and Recreation is the uh, star. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. You got Zoe Saldana. You've got uh, Michael Rooker. You got a lot of interesting people. And it's going to be, you got Bradley uh, Bradley Cooper playing the voice of Rocket Raccoon. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Is it's, this an animated movie? No, no, it's okay. not. But it's going to be a very bizarre movie. I will say that. I think Marvel's to the point success-wise where they can be a little adventurous with their, their properties. They're going to go out. Is it an animated raccoon or is it yeah, a real it's a CGI. raccoon? Well, they they use a real real raccoon for some scenes. But it's well, animated the other times it's talking. He, he, he shoots a lot. So it's not like an Alvin and the Chipmunks thing. No. It's like okay. oh, no, he's very, it's like a Babe the Pig chipmunk you know yeah. the fact that it looks i think like it does raccoon. it's yeah it's going to look like a real okay. raccoon okay yeah huh. um but they're putting a lot of stock into this movie because i think they want to introduce some very this one's gonna be a lot funnier movie guardians of the galaxy is kind of a big end joke in that these are kind of you know it's kind of like the dirty dozen it's kind of like the most uh craziest characters put together to try to form a team and um yeah it's going to definitely be a, a change in tone from the other movies we've seen what worries me about that? Not that I'm obviously, I'm much more of a Batman guy than Avengers and all these people. Um, but it sounds like going down the disaster that is the Fantastic Four, making things humorous, comic book movie, and it's like, oh, do you? I don't it? think it will be because again, Marvel's been really good about the talent they've put on these projects. Um, hmm. They've got, I think it's James Gunn is the uh, director of Guardians of the Galaxy. I believe you're right. Yeah, and. Uh, He's got some pretty good cred. He's got a very twisted sense of humor. It's going to be a very odd movie. I'll just say that, I think. Hmm. Um, I don't think it's going to – I think it's going to be your least typical Marvel movie. So um, maybe it's going to be – because he was responsible for that um, – was it uh, Super that had uh, Rain Wilson? Yeah. That was really, I never saw that. I heard it was extremely violent and, and sadistic. Yeah. I, this will not be a sadistic movie, but okay. I think it will be – it's going to have some some very twisted – 
humor to it, I believe. Huh. Everything I've picked up about the film so far. Okay. Is I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to catch a lot of people off guard. That's, that's what I'm guessing right okay, now. So will the teaser sport? for it, uh, if you did not know anything about the comics and didn't know anything about the characters, you would not understand it at all. It's, <laughs> I will say that a very high profile actor makes his debut in the Marvel universe because he is playing a character in guardians of the galaxy. Uh, I will not spoil it and let you know who, but someone, uh, Oscar caliber actor that uh, has joined joined the universe. So, so the the sneak peek or trailer thing that comes at the very end of the credits. The trailer, the one at the very end, uh, is a it uh, um, it it ties up a little bit of a loose end from the movie. It oh, doesn't okay. really do a whole so lot. It didn't of foreshadow uh, yeah. Avengers two. No, not okay. well. Maybe it sets a new <laughs> status quo for Thor at the end. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> And okay. it is, yeah, ultimately leading to Avengers 2 or whatever. But it was a nice little nice little way to tidy up the bow a little bit at the end of the story. Okay. Yeah, you got to stick through the credits of the Marvel movies for sure. Oh, man. Okay, I guess I can. <laughs> so Thor, uh, it's fine. It's a good movie. I mean, okay. I'm not going to go out and see it again. Uh, Thor equal, okay. Better than Ender's Game? Same playing field as Ender's Game. I enjoyed Ender's Game a little better. Just because it was new material. Yeah, it was new material. Okay. It was a better story. Gotcha. Uh, Thor had some good action and good, good acting and good uh, dialogue, but the story just wasn't there. Got you. So, yeah. Okay. So now is the time where we get to our recommendations. These are films that we think you ought to check out. Maybe you uh, uh, haven't seen, or maybe you just haven't forgot about ones that maybe flew into radar recently or years past that we want to call back to your attention. So Chris, what do you got for us? Okay. So my pick flew under my radar and actually, inverted itself and then was able to roll back over an emergency crash land and had lots of survivors except for I think four crew and two travelers it's flight Denzel Washington oh okay I, I want to hear your thought on this I never saw that movie yeah um, I don't know how because he was nominated for an Academy Award for best mm-hmm. actor and I just it came and it came to the theater but went and I was just kind of like uh, you know for some reason I think because I had to take a plane flight or something, I was like, I'm not going to go see that movie because I don't want to get freaked out. Yeah, <laughs> so, sure, right. But I didn't have any plane flights coming up. I saw it popped up on Netflix. I'm like, okay, I'm going to check this out. I loved this movie. Wow. Now, it is, it's tough. The plane, you know, the mm-hmm. plane accent is very realistic, was done really well. But if you're going in expecting like an action movie or something, that's not what this movie is about. Basically, Denzel Washington is an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. and he is under the influence when the plane has its problems and he has to do this. So it's, it really struggles on what we define as heroes and how we handle alcoholism and how it's, you know, it's, I've never seen a portrayal as maybe as Frank as this in the movies, except mm-hmm. for, I guess the Nicholas Cage movie that he did about um, alcoholism, which I can't remember the name of it right now. But, uh, that um, would be uh, leaving Las Vegas. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, this was just very, and that, you know, Nick Cage played somebody that wasn't likable in many ways. And Denzel Washington, he's the hero of the film, but he is not very likable. Right. And I will say that I think it's my favorite thing that I've ever seen Denzel Washington do. You know, I've actually heard other people say the same thing. Because it's so tough. Like, he's a very interesting character and you want to pull for him, but yet you don't really like him because he keeps doing things that you're just like... You know, you're kind of a jerk, buddy, but you're, it still is interesting enough to see where the film goes. So I, I highly recommend it. And he, I think, honestly, I think he got robbed for the Academy Award. 
You know, you're not the only person that's ever told me that. I mean, I actually have it queued up, ready to watch on Amazon Prime right now. So okay. I may be a little more tempted to go and watch it this weekend now. With it's also available on iTunes. Yep. So I, uh, I've actually heard a lot of people say that that's a very... It's not that you go into the film expecting it to be something and it defies those expectations of what kind of film it's going to be. Yes. And it, I've also heard it's a very tough watch, but I've mm-hmm. heard it's a very uh, a very good watch with that too. So so Flight, yeah, so that's still, you can get it online. It's a good, uh, good easy ways to see it. A lot of different opportunities to do that as well. What's your pick, Alan? I know. I had it just a second ago. <laughs> Hold edit point <laughs> on the show. Edit Alan completely day. spaced out on what he was going to choose. I, I actually, had two. I actually had a debate on what I was going to choose, but because of the whole. Okay, was, I know where I'm going to go. So okay, I know which one I'm going to go with. Okay. Okay, edit back. I'm coming back in three, two. Well, for my pick, Chris, um, we we mentioned the word sadistic a little bit earlier. I think when talking about another movie news item or something okay. and. That word kind of rings. the roses, I guess. Yeah, that was it. Well, let's go really, really, really dark. Okay. For, uh, have you ever seen American Psycho? Oh, yeah. All right. I got to put a little disclaimer on this. I'm not necessarily saying you, the listener, ought to go out and watch this movie. Gotcha. I think for a certain type of person, you will appreciate this movie. But this this one's a tricky one as well. It's violent. It's extremely violent. The main reason I say I'll call your attention to it is because to me, this is the first movie that we really see Christian Bale as a real actor. Yeah. Um, he mean was, Newsies didn't do it for you? Yeah. No Newsies. Uh, you know, and he did what Empire of the Sun as yeah, a kid. But this is where he is an adult playing a very adult role. Uh, he is basically a New York investment banker who has a psychopathic kind of alter ego in a way. I mean, he's mm-hmm. during the day, he's printing out his business cards and fantasizing about business cards and business deals and going and having drinks after work. And in the evenings right in his free time, he murders people and uh, based in on very gratuitous way. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the movie itself is a tough one and I'm not necessarily saying I advocate the film itself, but watching Christian Bale play this role, especially in some of the scenes where very intense scenes where he's leading up to getting ready to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, there's enough dark humor in there to keep it you on your on your edge. Um, the fact that the whole film takes place in the '80s and there's a right. lot of '80s cultural references. My poor Huey Lewis in the news, hip to be <laughs> square, gets kind of dragged through the dirt a little bit with a, <laughs> sure. you know, during a scene. Um, it's an interesting film, but again, I don't. I'm not telling you to go out there and just watch it right now. Read about it. Think about it. If it sounds like the kind of thing where a very sadistic, a very uh, gruesome at times, very gratuitous, but yet it also builds to an ending that is an interesting interesting ending. Absolutely. I'll give you that. It's a very interesting ending, a very unexpected ending to some degree, too. I think I think I've seen the movie. I, I like it as well. And I'd say, yeah, I understand why you're kind of hesitant about the recommendation. I guess to kind of tack onto that, what I'd say is. If you see, if you don't like Tarantino's movies, don't don't see this. That's the a good way, way of violence at it. is handled in Tarantino. I like his movies. I understand they're violent. A lot of people don't like that, and I understand that. But I feel like he uses violence. He does have a point behind it, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's very cartoonish and over the top violence. But yet there's still an angle to it, like in um, Kill Bill movies or Django right. Unchained. I feel like in yeah, 
and uh, American Psycho, same type thing, but it's probably going to be too much for a lot of people. It's going to be too much for a lot of people, but I guess I'll say it's a slasher film with an interesting perspective perspective to it. And also I'll say this too. Uh, I think something that interests me about the film is that it was directed by a woman. That's true. Which there again, not to be stereotypical with things, but I think it was actually really, really incredible that this movie that not only very gory, gruesome, violent and it's, it's a basically a male yes yeah, a mm-hmm. male chauvinistic fantasy in a lot of places too it was directed by a woman and i think she got a lot of it right right um trying to portray this guy so i was really impressed by that as well that kind of had the gender switch there on the director's chair so Agreed. Whew. okay chris good show uh <laughs> yeah. ender's game and a hijacking we recommend both we recommend a hijacking very very highly yes um talking about thor okay it's fine it's worth seeing if you're into if you're a, if you have if you're a superhero completist and you have to go see all the movies. Yes, it's a good movie. It's better than the first one. And if you're a completist, stay around for the two like trailer thing or the yes, two spoiler. Sure, things. absolutely. <laughs> um, and then we talked a little bit about rehashing some Disney characters and the live action and origin stories and all that good stuff. So, uh, and then our picks we had uh, American Psycho, and then we also had Flight with Denzel Washington. That we're I, I'm very anxious to see Flight, especially with your recommendation. American Psycho, if anybody does build up to want to watch it and let me know what they thought, I'm anxious to hear your thoughts. So you can reach us at uh, either themesh.tv, that's the mesh, T-H-E-M-E-S-H.tv. There's a contact us uh, form page on that site where you can reach out to us. You can also find out more about our film society that we host here in our local area at footcandle.org. So footcandle.org is where you can learn about the Foot Candle Film Society, which is what Chris and I host here in the uh, Western North Carolina area, bringing interesting films. And then we come here and talk about them on the show. There's always Letterboxd as well. Letterboxd. We still log our films that we see on letterboxd.com. You can go set up a free account and actually follow us and see what films we're watching. Uh, We do our star ratings. After we do our reviews in person here on the podcast, Uh, we'll go online and maybe throw a few... uh, notes about the film our thoughts on it online there as well so thanks so much for sticking around listen to us talking about movies for the last hour or so uh we'll look forward to getting back together with you next time we host an episode for foot candle films i'm alan i'm chris all right thanks guys see you in the ticket line Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.